0: Once upon a time, there was a monk who lived at the top of a mountain, and he was a good monk, and he took care of himself, and he took care of his vegetable garden, and he took care of his dog, and he had a good life as a hermit at the top of this mountain. And every once in a while, he'd go down into the village below. And the villagers down below, when they would see him, they would say, Oh, we love you so much, monk. You're such a good man. You're so kind. And the monk would say, Is that so? And he would go back up the mountain, and he would be in his hermitage for another long while. And one day, the daughter of the fishmonger down in the village uh, finds out that she's expecting And she tells everyone in the village that it was the monk at the top of the mountain who, in fact, impregnated her. And the villagers were very angry about this. And they marched up to the top of the mountain and they said to the monk, you're bad, you're evil. How dare you do this? How dare you uh, impregnate the daughter of the fishmonger? You're evil. And he said, is that so? The baby was born and the villagers took the baby up the mountain and the monk raised the little boy and they had a good life and they had uh, good days and good habits and they continued to care about each other. And one day when the little boy was about five years old, the daughter of the fishmonger, she could not take her guilt any longer. Uh, her deceit. And she told the villagers, in fact, it was not the monk who impregnated me, but it was the neighbor boy. And the villagers were so distraught. And so they went back up the mountain and they said to the monk, monk, you are good. You are kind. We were wrong. You are a good person. And the monk said, is that so?
1: Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. And I'm Kedron Crosby. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're turning our focus on inner authority and self-regard. Um, do you remember the first time you heard that story that you just told? No. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, it probably is
0: in Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, okay. which is a book that I loved when I was in my early 20s, Okay, and I'm 53 now, so <laughs> it, it was this amazing little tiny book that was my personal introduction to um, Buddhism. Wow. I wonder wow. if it's still in print. Oh, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah.
1: Well, this this idea of inner authority and self-regard, I want to ask you about why you picked these topics to talk about. Why are they so important to talk about inner authority? What do you mean?
0: Well, in a very concrete way, I promised one of our coaching clients (laughs) (laughs) that we would record something because it was so important to her. Um, in the bigger scheme, uh, in, in terms of uh, what work wisdom exists to do, which is to revolutionize how we achieve in our whole lives, not just our professional lives, inner authority and self-regard are where we find our power. Mm. And all of us uh, benefit from having a realistic, measured um sense of where we have authority and tapping into our own inner authority instead of being overly reliant on external authority so so it's for our clients uh it's for our listeners and it's definitely for ourselves it's good for us to remember these things
1: so that story is just a really great example of someone with
0: powerful inner authority yeah definitely Yeah, I love that about this story, that um, the monk is not being blown around. Uh, He's not concerned with cancel culture. (laughs) He's Uh, not worried about being the favorite flavor of the week. He's definitely not concerned with how many likes he's getting on Instagram. uh But he's putting his attention on his habits and uh, his depth of character and his his rituals um and so he has that inner authority he he's not concerned uh about what others are saying about him because he knows that he is uh reliable and strong and kind and loving um and a good person
1: why do you think it's so hard for us to maintain our inner authority like because Mm -hmm. my because i was thinking like well what if somebody's saying horrible things about you or you know dragging your name through the mud Mm -hmm. or what if somebody is hurting you Mm -hmm. you know in the workplace if they're undermining you or disrespect disrespecting you like you know (laughs) what about what about those situations yeah
0: and that's not a what if that's a when you know when that happens because it always does you can live an incredibly uh squeaky clean life and and people will say ugly things about you um the inner authority is important because it helps you put the weight of your self-evaluation uh internally so I think of it as this locus of control where is this I see it as sort of this green ball of energy you know is it in me am I the one who gets to weigh whether or not I am good or responsible or uh, helpful or kind or honest or do I put it in other people's hands and did they then have the authority to evaluate me. And so uh, as much as possible, I really encourage all of us to responsibly take that locus and bring it towards ourselves Mm. and bring it into our own, uh, into our own being, into our own soul or gut or wherever you think that ball of energy should rest. And, And then we have the reins to make those decisions. And we're not letting others, um, make those decisions. Now, I think when we embrace inner authority, as opposed to external authority, we absolutely need to double down on some other emotional intelligence skills like reality testing, Mm. which is being objective. Um, I think that's really important because if we have low reality testing, either we're sugar coders or overly optimistic or we're catastrophizers, that reality testing won't be a good guide for us. It won't help us to make good decisions. And, and if we're relying on our own gut and our own authority to lead us into the future, we have to have strong reality testing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a that's a self awareness school a, a skill, and so having some habits so that we're really checking in with, uh, with you know that cognitive distortion. You know, we all have a tendency to want to see ourselves in a in a light that's maybe a little more rosy mm-hmm. or not no not everybody some people's go the other direction <laughs> and, uh and are, you know, self-flagellating or something but um but trying to be as reality tested as possible and then I also think that having self-awareness that is not only reality tested but non-judgmental so yeah. recognizing um we are not good or bad Um, but we are, um, complex Mm -hmm. and everyone's complex. And so sometimes we, uh, we make decisions that, that ultimately don't, don't serve us. And Mm -hmm. that if we look at them without judgment, we can start thinking about what our do-over is and that next time around we might do it differently. But if we, if we use a lot of judgment, on ourselves we're less likely to stay open to evolving and to thinking about the do-over and how we might change it up for next time and we we might become more defensive and then we really double down on being positional and like no that was the right thing to do I was right so anyhow non-judgment uh, Self awareness and reality testing, if we're really going to embrace inner authority. And there's a lot of reasons to embrace inner authority. Yeah. What do you think?
1: What? what why?
0: Yeah. I mean, why do you think inner authority is a good way to go?
1: Well, I just had a therapy session this past <laughs> week. And what came out was I was giving up my power in particular situations. Mm. And um and it was and so it was a problem. Yeah. It was it was not necessary. And I think sometimes there's definitely reason to let the other person win or, mm-hmm. you know, let it go. Um but but when it was hurting me, Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, disempowering me, Mm -hmm. then it didn't make sense. It was like my default to just step aside. Mm. And so I think that when, you know, you need to move things forward and maybe even when you need to ratchet up, we're going to talk a little bit about self-regard when you need to crank that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes you need to have, more of a sense or it's helpful to have more of a sense of what your what your inner power is your Mm -hmm. your inner authority is Mm -hmm. the other thing that I've been thinking about too is I'm I'm reading uh, Lily Zhang's new book on DEI Mm -hmm. and they talk about recognizing our power and Mm -hmm. that even when we're trying to advance certain DEI objectives Mm -hmm. in our organization whether we have like legitimate power uh or not there are so many types of power (laughs) so not to complicate it but we do need to talk about it we do need to recognize there's this energy there that we can that we can leverage and not just give it away freely like it's for anyone yeah (laughs) you know
0: yeah i i think learning how to own our power is is really important when we talk about Um, this whole idea of inner authority because it's becoming really skillful with how we manage our power and who we're giving our power to and how how we're preserving our power um, how we're not depleting our energy by giving it to others Um, so I, I think that you know relying on inner authority it's fantastic for a lot of reasons definitely and we can talk more about self regard, but um, it helps us to authorize our own life, so that we get to be active agents in the creation of our own life. And you know that that quote that's painted by Ayana in our living room at mm-hmm. Work Wisdom. You know, the best way to predict the future is to create it. That's that whole we have agency, mm. and we have to own our power and make things happen so we don't need to consult a guru Mm. and we don't Mm -hmm. need the blessing of an external authority Um, but if we have the strong reality testing and self-awareness and non-judgment we can for the most part really rely on our gut our experience and our own inner wisdom so I think that's one of the goals of What we're trying to do, actually, at Work Wisdom is to help people to reconcile um, themselves with their own inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. You know, that they have a lot of authority that they carry and how to tap into it so they don't need us all the time. (laughs) Maybe some (laughs) of the time.
1: Yeah. What does this have to do with self-regard? Well, you know,
0: it's, we sometimes get to inner authority through self-regard. So self-regard is one of the 15 emotional intelligence skills that we measure using a psychometric tool. And so often when we start working with a leader, if we see that empirically they have lower usage of self-regard, sometimes we will help them to grow in self-regard and, and move the needle on their own self-esteem by bringing that locus internally to their own inner authority and starting to build that up. So that's, that's really actually, self-regard is typically how we get to this concept of inner authority with some clients. Um, self-regard is, I have found over the years, the, the, one of the best ways to grow in self-regard is to bolster this inner authority Mm. so it's just a strong 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 tree trunk I always see it as this Mm -hmm. you know strong tree trunk with these roots so that you just don't you don't get blown around Mm -hmm. it's not the flavor favorite flavor of the week kind of thing it's just you're very solid Um, but also you can grow in self-regard through becoming more assertive Mm -hmm. And that's another way that we help people find their voice. And even if they don't get what they want when they've asked for it and they've found their voice and spoken up, they will move the needle on their self-regard. So there's that benefit. Um, But also, if, if they have an awareness of what is really, truly meaningful to them, and it may be far out it may be nothing that is meaningful to anybody else um you know but if they then pursue it with intention and even if they fail but if they try it also moves the needle on that self-regard i i always think about um Somebody who said, oh, you know, my husband thought it would be really great if I got an MBA. And so I worked really hard and I got this MBA, but it didn't really change my life. And it was because it wasn't really important to her. Mm -hmm. Her husband thought it was important that she get that MBA. So that did not move the needle. Now, I think she really wanted to write the great American novel. (laughs) (laughs) And had she written that, I would imagine her self-regard would have... uh, moved quite a bit yeah so so trying to figure out the thing what is the thing that's meaningful to me and then how do I create a path with that agency so that I'm I'm moving forward on it so that's that's some of what I think about with self-regard yeah sometimes even doing courageous things (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that definitely builds our self-regard
1: is there any um any last advice that you have for people that might be struggling with giving away their their power or not or having their you know authority like out here instead of here mm-hmm. and closer to them? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I have a lot of practices. Um, there's there's a practice so um, filth- Stultz, Stutz 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 I don't know if I'm saying his name Stutz <laughs> and Barry Michaels they wrote a great book called The Tools and they use a lot of visualization to help people and they have they have a tool around inner authority and how to help a person who is suffering from uh not being able to tap into their inner authority, they have this visualization where you stand up on a stage and you notice your shadow. Mm. And so you, this again is back to self-awareness. You have to think about, well what are those shadows that I have? So you see your shadow while you're on the stage, and then you have uh, you connect with your shadow, like you even bond with your shadow I even visualize it as like hugging <laughs> your shadow and then uh then you turn around to face the audience and then you are supposed to scream listen <laughs> <laughs> so now I don't use that practice with our clients but I still think it's pretty darn cool um the one that I use is I encourage people who are suffering from um external authority, you Mm -hmm. know, who are not yet comfortable with having a strong inner authority, I like to encourage them to think about all the disowned parts Mm -hmm. of their identity over all the years, you know, back to like, middle school and sitting at the freaks and geeks table yeah. okay that was mine but you know um you know or being an outsider or um something embarrassing that mm-hmm. you did or some part of your life that you really would prefer to disown but instead of disowning that shadow you actually welcome it in so i i think about the Rumi poem about inviting it in for tea yeah. you know so i think well let's invite that really nerdy geeky seventh Mm -hmm. grader uh in for tea and let me talk to her and let me befriend her and let me tell her uh, I'm grateful to her and let me think about what is it about her that made me who I am today Mm. and tell her uh just what it was you know oh gosh all right that That experience, that part of my identity that I prefer to disown actually gave me huge uh, resources of empathy. And so thank you to Mm -hmm. her. So the more we can have this kind of practice of recognizing the disowned parts of our identity, bringing them in for tea, uh, thanking them and really integrating how they make us strong today uh, our inner authority just gets stronger and stronger and stronger, yeah. and it's just like, what can't we do? You know, yeah. I mean, really, you know, if you weave it all together, it's a very strong core. Yeah. So I think that's that's a practice that has, I think it might be kind of far out, but um, it's one that seems to help. It helps me, and I think it helps helps others as well. So I think I think just really starting to see. One's own power and see one's own energy and being really cognizant about, am I giving away my energy when <laughs> I let these people uh, make or break my day based on what they think of me? And what if I, what if I held the reins on my energy and my power and um, I didn't allow others to deplete it? what could i do?
1: yeah. what else could yeah. i do? yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> a
0: lot, you know, i mean because it's really then coming down to your own discipline, mm-hmm. your own agency, your own habits, your own character, um your own integrity and and you can go pretty far if if you rely on those things.
1: thank you. of course. I'm I'm so grateful to you for being part of this movement for helping others in the workplace enhance their individual and collective team performance. I think this is a big one. Yeah, I hope it helps. Thank you listeners for downloading the behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website workwisdomllc.com where you can enjoy work with some press and protections, you can ask questions and give suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with a quote. This is uh, Anthony DeMillo with some wisdom. Um, This is called shadow boxing. To newcomers, the teacher would say, knock and the door will be opened to you. To some of them, he would later say, how would you expect the door to be opened when it has never been shut?